This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Leicester Fan TV. With special thanks to our pals at ADT Taxis, Eatney, Piglet's Pantry, Tiger, Leicester Garage Conversions, Pink Vehicle Leasing, Hologram, The Fox's Arms, Moyer Weight Interiors, and our chosen charity, Memphis UK. We bring you the fans' views on the match each week, and your views matter to us. Join the fans debate each match with us. Follow us at Buster Fan TV. Good evening. Welcome to another Wednesday night's Foxy Tale. Uh, we've got a very special guest on tonight, Dave Smith, to come and talk about his new book and his time uh, following Leicester City Football Club. So get ready to settle down for Wednesday night, The Fox's Tale. So yeah, we've got a guest, uh, Dave Smith, to come on and talk about his book. We'll talk about his time following the Foxes and all things Leicester, because his book is amazing what he's doing at the moment. It's not just about Leicester City. It's about the Tigers, the Riders, the, uh, the cricket, you name it, all the sports the finals that the, uh, Leicester's had over the years. It's in his new book, and we'll get him to talk about it. So let's bring Dave on. Even Dave. Hi there, Tom. Hey, mate. You all right? Yeah, not so bad, thanks. Good, good. Let's start off the question. What, what year did you first start following Leicester City? Oh, August 1959. Wow. A three-run <laughs> home against Chelsea, and that was it. I was hooked. <laughs> I mean, the journey then continues a year on. I mean, you went down in 1955, 19, you say. I mean, who was the manager back in the day? Matt Gillies was in charge in, then. And, uh, yeah, I guess my, my, my first year, I was Albert Cheeseborough. It was the big signing of that summer, yeah. Big signing, not 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 in the money we talk about nowadays, but yeah, big signing back in the day. No, less than less than uh, a couple of days' wages these days, I think. So you then follow the football club uh, through the eras, and then go on to start writing about them. I mean, what got you into writing the, the fossils of, of uh, um, you know your books? 
I was I was always one of those kids who was interested in the facts and figures. Um, it must have started about 1980. I mean, I knew the club's centenary was approaching. And I thought, what I'd really like is a complete record of all the games they've played. But nobody else is going to do this job for me, are they? So I set about doing the research myself, put together a complete record of all the city games. Um, and from there, I got introduced to um, the people at, uh, who used to work in Epic House, the, uh, the Leicester News Service, who used to cover the city games at that time. And they were involved in producing the Leicester City Centenary brochure. And they sort of said, right, can, uh, can we use some of your stats then for the, the back of the book? And it kind of took off from there, really. Um, shortly after that, uh, football stats books or football history books seemed to become a little bit fashionable. Um, looked around and thought, well, nobody's doing a Leicester City book. Maybe uh, having done the, the initial research, I could get involved. Um, contacted a, a gentleman called John Eastwood, who sadly is no longer with us, who'd done a couple of books um, on Ipswich Town and Norwich, and, and kind of liked the way he'd done those. And complete coincidence, a gentleman called Paul Taylor had also been in touch uh, with, with John with the same, sort of same idea. So John put the two of us together. Paul had this unbelievable detailed research on players and biographies of players. I had all this sort of match-by-match -match stats. We got together and between us wrote the narrative history of the club. Then, um, sadly, John Eastwood's publishing company ran into financial troubles, so he had to pull out. So there was Paul and I with the basis of uh, a complete Leicester City history and uh, no publisher. But the people who had worked on the centenary book back in uh, the Leicester News Service, the guys had gone um, independent and started their own publishing company there. I'd actually been helping with a few, um, they, they specialised in football handbooks, and I'd helped produce a few stats for those. And I went to see, see them and said, have you ever thought about doing a hardback? And they sort of said, yeah, we'd love the idea of doing one. We just kind of haven't had the right idea yet. I was explained what Paul and I had, had ready to go. And they said, yeah, we'd love to do that. Test the water. We'll see if uh, we think it's viable. So they paid for some leaflets to go out for pre-orders. They said, if we manage to get 750 pre-orders, it's a goer. And we got 1,500 pre-orders. And really, the rest is history from then on. I mean, you talk about the stats and everything that goes into making, but how do you get all these stats? How do you, you know, do you get all the stats from that far back, and, you know, the goal scorers and everything like that? Because this can't be easy to build up a history. Well, with the city, I mean, it was um, four years of sitting in the library, really, the reference library. Um, an awful lot of work with the newspapers. And, and in Leicester, we were very lucky that right up until 1963, we had two evening papers, the Mercury and the Evening Mail. So you could go through both papers, dig out the details, see if there were any discrepancies, 
And yeah, you got those from time to time. One of the reporters would make an error. Um, if you've got a, if you've got discrepancies, then you've got to go and find, you know, football annuals or, you know, national reports or whatever, and um, eventually tied them down. I even spent a week up at the Football League headquarters back in the days when it was in Lytham St Anne's, going through their annals to sort of check odd discrepancies and work out, you know why things didn't match in certain places so yeah lots of uh, lots of work lots of fun i mean i really you know going through the old newspapers in the in the library basement was just a brilliant time because you, know, you get distracted by all sorts of uh, amazing things but yeah that's essentially where it came from these days because got the internet and in theory it's all a lot easier so long as you don't believe everything that you read on the internet, you know, and you still check it out somewhere, then, uh, you know, it makes it makes life a lot easier. You can do a lot of the research from your own study. Okay. I mean, uh, Sean says, I mean, you've must have seen some players. Who's your favourite ever Leicester City player? Ooh. I would say it's, it, these days it's probably a toss-up between Steve Walsh, Gordon Banks and Jamie Vardy. So you've got a few different eras there. I mean, Banksy, one era, Walsh, yeah, and it's so difficult, isn't it, to actually compare players from different eras. You know, I mean, I mean Banks was the world's best goalkeeper, you know, and, and played in the World Cup final when he was a Leicester player. You know, and you, you're not going to get much better than that, are you? No. I mean, for me, Just, me, it is a toss-up. So for me, it would be Gary Parker. Uh, then it would be a Walshy in that kind of era. Then going into the modern day, it's probably, as you say, Vardy up there and Casper. I mean, there's so many great players to grace this football club. And, you know, Birch will always be a, a legend and ambassador of this football club. And you would grace to see probably Adam play at the time. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I mean, you know, lots of players who we've got real soft spots for over the years, aren't they? I mean, not, not just Birch. You know, I mean, Gary Lineker was, was great in his day. Um, but somewhere, you know, I mean, Walshie, you know, if you cut Walshie, he'd bleed blue blood, wouldn't he? That's easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he, he, and he was here for such a long while. And I mean, you know, the great thing about Vards is he has stayed with us. And, you know, he, he's now pushing his way into the real upper echelons of club goal scorers. And, um, you know, he will be a club legend, you know, however long or short the rest of his career should be. I mean, you talk about him pushing in. I think he's in the top six now. Is he up to or top four? He's not far he's, off. He's number four overall four. in uh, scored. Yeah, I know he's a long way behind the first two. I think there the are two hundred. going to get near those, are they? And I mean, I'm sure they would be. You know, for for my grandparents, they they would be legends in their own right. I think, although actually, my grandparents always used to say. Sepp Smith was the greatest player who ever done the lesson. But, you know, I can't judge that because he was before my time. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, although the, the top two are out of reach, really, for Vards, then any Hine in third place is only about 20 goals ahead of, of him at the moment. So, not inconceivable that he could catch him this season. And certainly by next season, you know, given a fair run with, without injuries. 
I mean, that's a crucial thing for Vars now. It is, you know, at the age he's at, he's not picking up a long-term injury to, you know, reach those records. But after the start, he's had five goals already. I mean, it's not a bad way to start the season. No, not at all. I mean, if if for once we keep getting a few more penalties, then who knows? I mean, you've seen some great times. You, uh, you've been to Filbert Street. I was lucky enough to go to Filbert Street for four or five seasons before we moved. What's your, your you know, favourite memory of Filbert Street of all time? Would you be like games and stuff? Yeah, Filbert Street, I would go back to 1968 and a cup tie against Manchester City. And that was a sort of a, a night match. So we had all the, you know, the floodlights and the atmosphere of, of the night matches down there. And we, we played Man City um, the previous two seasons in the FA Cup. Been in the position to win the games at Main Road and finished up going out both times. We'd also played them twice in the League Cup in the same period of time and got hammered up there. And in 1968, third year on the trot, we drew them in the FA Cup, up at Main Road again, somehow came back with a goalless draw, replay at Filbert Street, half an hour gone, 2-0 down, here we go again. Um, But we played really, really well. Rodney Fern got a goal right on half-time to reduce the arrears. And then a guy called Frank Large, who was a real journeyman, only with us for the one season, had an absolute purple patch. He's never, never played another game like it, really. Scored a couple. We, we 20, 20 minutes into the second half, we were 4-2 ahead, and we held on to win 4-3. And I still maintain that was the best night ever at Filbert Street. I mean, talk about Silver Street, the atmospheres, you know, for me, it was the League Cup uh, runs and everything like that. The Cambridge game as well, down at the ground, the playoffs. There were some special memories of that ground. I mean, things that people talk about, the new ground, but that Silver Street on a, a floodlit night, the, the atmosphere was amazing. And I mean, you've, you've seen some good games. I've seen some good games. Do you, out of the two, which one would you prefer? Do you prefer Silver Street or do you prefer the King Power for the atmosphere? I think... I mean, the atmosphere, I guess, at Filbert Street, you know, I grew up as a teenager standing on the cop at Filbert Street, you know, so you you kind of can't beat where you grew up, can you? It's uh, it's always a special time, you know, and um, these days, of course, I'm, you know, a bit old and grey and I sit there quietly in the stand and watch it. So it's, it's not quite the same, but there have still been, you know, one or two special nights, at, uh, at King Power, haven't they? And nobody's going to forget that night against Sevilla, are they? Definitely not. I've got a question from Keith Goodall. Paul Taylor came cr- across as a quiet but warm character. What were your memories of him? Yeah, I mean, he was. I mean, he lived in London, so we only kind of got together on match days for a few minutes each weekend. So I wouldn't say I knew him really, really well. Uh, we obviously spent a bit of time together when we did the first fossils, and then you know every, everything was sort of via email almost when we were doing the updates because we, we kind of knew how each other worked and got on well. But yeah, an absolute you know legend among fans. Really, there was nowhere you know he wouldn't go home or away. And even um, yeah, in, in in the latter years, because Paul sadly no longer with us, but. Um, even though he was not a well man during the Champions League campaign, there was nothing that was going to stop him going to all those away games. Um, and I know um, John Hutchinson, the current 
Leicester historian bumped into him in Porto, uh, and and all Paul could say was was a very breathless. I never realised there were so many hills in Porto. <laughs> it was a real, you know, he was clearly having a real struggle, but it was nothing was going to stop him. As you say, that the history of these Champions League will never go from us, and you know we were so close this year getting Champions League football. But those the nights of the Champions League, the winning the Premier League, the the League One season, at the King Power, that we've had some good times over the last few years there. Considering when we first moved in, it was a troublesome time for the football club. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, we we very nearly lost the whole lot before uh, before we got established, didn't we? But um, yeah, fortunately, it's it's worked out. Um, yeah, I mean, you also nobody's going to take away the memories of um, that presentation day, are they? You know, I mean, and yes, the match against Everton kind of lived up to the billing. You know, if that penalty has sort of come out of orbit by now, you know, then fine. But uh, I just um, think he would have got a golden boot that year as well. Well, he did, wouldn't he? Yes, I mean, you know, of all things, I guess guess it was a minor glitch, really, but. Uh, yeah, you know, the you, you can still sort of hear Andre Bicelli singing, can't you? And it's uh, just a shiver down your spine. And we talk about the uh, League One season. I mean, uh, relegation to League One for the first time in the club's history was hard to take. I mean, following the team back then, I mean, was completely different than Nigel Pearson. Just your opinion of Nigel, really, what you thought of him getting us promoted over the years and coming back for a second spell? I think I think the fans love him. Um, you know, he, he was what we needed, and he bred a, a certain loyalty and team spirit in in his team. And you know, just when everything looked like it wasn't going to work out, I mean, to turn the team round in uh, in twenty fifteen and that great run to uh, escape relegation, you know, was. Well, I mean, it wasn't just the great run to escape relegation, was it? It set us up for the uh, the following season's miracle. I've got a couple of questions. One was uh, Ian Mills. The night Brian Little came back with Villa a few days after leaving, it was pretty intense. Never heard the noise like it, so that would have been at Filbert Street, if you remember that yeah, one. Yeah, there was a lot of vitriol around that evening, wasn't there? You know, a lot of, uh, of chants of uh, Judas and whatever. And it was it was difficult, but you can understand Brian Little's motivation in wanting to go back to Villa. You know, they they were his club, weren't they? Deep down, and but I mean, he did a great job for us in uh, in turning us round from the Cleet era into you know a team that were challenging and eventually winning promotion. We don't say that name on here, please, David Pleat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Phil's asked the question. Finally, <laughs> we thought it was the second coming, didn't it? When uh, it first came, uh, does, uh, Phil says, "Does he? Does they think uh, has been the most important Leicester City player in our history, and why?" Oh, that, that's a really that's a really tough question, isn't it? Most Phil. <laughs> yeah, um, I really don't know. I think. Um, I've got an answer from one of the fans. He's put Arthur Chandler. Well, it could be. I mean, I was thinking, would you would you say Arthur Chandler or would you say Arthur Rowley in terms of goal scorers? I mean, Chani obviously the the era when we finished second in the top division, 
And for a long while, we thought, well, that'll be as good as it ever got. <coughs> but, you know, then, then you had the remarkable goal scoring of, of Arthur Rowley, who got us promotion twice in the 1950s. But it's, it's, it's intensely difficult to, to try and say who was the most important. I mean, you could say Jamie Vardy. <laughs> you know, you could say a combination of Vardy, Mares. Kante and um, perhaps Adrian in that list. Yeah. Leonardo, Joa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course you can. It was, the name rules off the tongue for those kind of things. I mean, going into now, what have you been in your impressions of Brendan Rodgers coming into the football club? He's been here 18 months now. What's uh, What have you thought about it? I know he had a bit of a rough period towards the back in the last season, but are you happy with what you've seen? He's, he's certainly turned around the style of play. Um, a lot of the time it's effective. We, you know, we've, we've got a young team that he can coach in his own fashion. Um, I think the future is, looks quite bright. I mean, yes, we're going to have, you know, ups and downs and um, hopefully not too many days like uh, last Sunday against West Ham. But, you know, it's we're going to meet a lot of teams at King Power that play that way. And we've got to find a way to open them up and that's that's been evident for um, a couple of seasons now um, but it's not easy and Manchester City found it wasn't easy the week before didn't they exactly and you have to get on with it I mean we saw Sterling come out moaning and Rodri come out moaning about us sitting 10 miles behind the ball but mm. that's been that managers being more tactical than the others and asking how you change things around so we've got to learn from that Phil's going to ask another question another tricky one Phil Dave, which goalkeeper is our best? So many to choose from. Yeah, well, I unhesitatingly will say Gordon Banks. Um, it would be a toss-up between him and Shilton for me. But again, that also goes back to my teenage years, doesn't it? You know, when, uh, you know, and, and I think your heroes of your youth and teen years probably stick with you more than anything else. But we've had, you know, a load of others through the years. Mark Wallington was... was popular and um, Casper obviously is moving right up the, the sort of record charts now and is, is our most uh, most capped international isn't he in fact captain Denmark tonight didn't he I believe did he yeah, I was going to say I thought yeah. I, I, I hadn't seen the score I know he was starting yeah yeah they they won 4-0 <laughs> it's almost a uh, letdown against the Faroe Islands but yeah I didn't score any more <laughs> No, they didn't score any in the second half. But as with most international friendlies, oh, raft of substitutions in the second half kind of disrupts the rhythm. I mean, we're going into your new book was come out. I mean, that must have been a, a tricky one to get all the stats for these, for the finals from every single club. But where do we start about your new book and introduce it? Yeah, I mean, it was an idea I had about 30 years ago, actually. It's been bubbling around. Um, I mean, at the time, it was it was kind of... Why not have a book that covered the finals played by City, Tigers and the County? Um, and I've been kind of amassing the information over a long period of time um, and also collecting the programmes from those finals and everything. Thought um, it, we got almost to the point of going ahead with it a couple of times over the last decade, but... Uh, I think eventually, a couple of years ago, I thought, you know, if we don't do it now, I'm never going to get round to it. 
had already decided to throw in the speedway because until last year they'd only ever had one final with the lions you know and it was back in the 70s when i used to go down there at blackbird road so i thought i'll put that in as a bonus and i thought well if i'm actually going to do this now i really need to add the riders in because in the last 20 years they've become a really major player in leicester that was my weak spot because I didn't have a good back, solid background in uh, basketball, whereas I kind of knew the other sports pretty well. But I have to say, I've had the most fantastic support and help from the basketball community. And I can't praise you know, Kevin and Dan Routledge enough. They've, they've been superb in finding stuff out. I mean, Dan Routledge is another staffer like me, actually. You know, he, yeah, he doesn't want to get leave any stone unturned when it comes to digging the details out um, they put me in touch with organizations that i didn't even know existed in order to be able to find um, in, in some cases a number of the actual match sheets handwritten match sheets from the scorers for some of these finals to be able to sort out all sorts of details um, you know i had to work out how to present basketball in a in a fashion that sort of fitted in with the rest of the book um so we worked all, all that out managed to get um all the illustrations of all the programs from all the riders finals as well and generally put put it all together and uh, at the moment it's in transit coming i think it was printed in bulgaria um so it's in transit it should arrive in leicester at the end of the week and should be out later this month but it covers i mean um, you know everybody's good anybody who's seen the the sort of advertising blur will know the answer now but um you know if i'd have asked you a month ago how many finals do you think teams from leicester have been involved in yeah yeah i was going to say a few i was going to say because i know tigers had a period where it was every year mm so that there's probably 10 to 12 already and then you're going on top of that the city ones you probably need 30 to 40 i reckon yeah 80 is the total <laughs> 80 finals. Uh, and i mean and, and i mean it started out as cup finals but you now have you know promotion playoff finals you have championship finals um you know all, all sorts so yeah we're, we're up to 80 between the five clubs and um, so I thought, yeah, it's uh, it's going to get out of hand if uh, if I let it go any longer. And um, I guess, in a way, I mean, the fact that we've suddenly had this hiatus in sport through uh, earlier part of this year <coughs> means means it's going to finish up as a record of Leicester's finals throughout what I guess we'll eventually call the pre-COVID era. Couple of questions for you, go Dave. One's another one from Phil. What is Dave's favourite stat and why? Oh goodness me! Who, who, I I really would struggle to think of one off the top of my head as to um, you know, but I've, but I've done quite a few really really odd ones over over the years. I usually I can usually sit there and come up with one, and um, you know, when when we sat watching the city and. Uh, you know, the guys who sit next to me will turn around and say, how on earth did you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I sort of prepared for the, for the game. But I, I, I do some stats uh, pre-game 
for uh, the guys at Radio Leicester and the guys at the Mercury. So I'm usually on the ball with what's about to come out and what landmarks are about to be hit. That falls nice into the next question. Dave, how do you find all the time to your research? I'll I'll give you um, the the two players who for Leicester City, whose careers for Leicester consist of one sort of appearance and nothing else, and neither of them ever touch the ball. Got me there. Yeah. Well, there was a guy called Malcolm Clark back in the 1960s, um, right in the last minute of a game against Leeds. John Schoberg and Derek Dugan were stretched off simultaneously at opposite ends of the pitch. Um, Malcolm Clark came on as sub. He was only on pitch for about a minute and didn't touch the ball. And the other one, the very last game ever at Filbert Street, Leicester Tottenham, yeah, I was there that day. I remember that one. Um, right at, again, right at the very end, Tom Williamson came on as sub. Which was again only on the pitch thirty seconds or so. Again, never ever touched the ball and never appeared again. Wow! And the time to do all the research. Yeah, I don't have a different day job because I'm now happily retired. <laughs> I think that's but, the question. Know, yeah, I mean, when I was. Um, when I was doing the original research, the um, the library, of course, the reference library was in town, in Town Hall Square. And um, I happened to work in Market Street. So lunchtimes, I would sort of nip down to the reference library, do sort of three quarters of an hour in there, and then, you know, went back again to finish my lunch hour off. So that was convenient. Uh, Jamie says, loving this chat, stats are right at my street. That's Jamie from the Fox's Arms in Alcudia. He's uh, enjoying yeah, the sun. I know, they keep sending me queries. Say, is it true? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's all right for some. We haven't seen it <laughs> recently. Well, we'll come to the end of the show, Dave. It's been an absolute pleasure having on to talk about your new book. And hopefully it's a massive hit. I know I'm definitely going to be getting it when it comes out. And as yeah. I have any Leicester fans, I'm sure at some point we will get one as a prize and get it... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll sort that out for you. We'll make sure you get a prize to do, to hand out. That's and if anybody does want to uh, order a copy, then www.bluearmypublishing is the place to go to, .com. Um, and if you order before the 10th of October, you get 10% off and you get it signed. Wow, there's a bargain. There's a bargain. Ten percent off. What more can I say? Otherwise, you, you kind of have to. You probably have to go to Amazon or one or two selected bookshops. But um, the re- the reason, very quickly, the reason we're likely to go and buy directly from the publisher is because I had to pay out my own money to get this published, and what I'm hoping to do is break even. And anything we sell through Amazon or bookshops, they take 50% straight off the top. Anything that goes to the publisher, we were able to feed it all back through. So I would have to sell half the number directly to actually get my money back. Well, so, say that website again then, Dave, so everyone knows it. So www.bluearmypublishing.com. And you can, you know, you're supporting a local one-man business as well for... Uh, Steve, who, you, who I'm sure you uh, you know. There we go. Well, thank you again for coming on, Dave. Much appreciated. Time, mate.
Yeah. Much appreciated. Hopefully, we'll get you on later on in the season to talk about the season and how it's gone. Yeah, happy to do so. Thanks, Dave. See you later. Right, and there we go. Another Wednesday night, Fox's Tale. Different stories, different areas. You know, we talk about the, the great history of this football club and we've gone back even further this time around. And to get someone who knows all the stats is even more interesting for me. Love a good stat on a weekend. So it's been a pleasure having you. We're now in the build-up for International Week. Wales for England, hopefully Harvey Barnes gets some minutes under his belt. But uh, as ever, thank you for coming on, putting your comments in there. It's always much appreciated. Once again, the video is going to thank our sponsors because without them, you know, they keep us going and help us get the equipment we need to do the shows. And it's brilliant to them as always. So as always, see you soon. And we'll be back for the uh, Aston Villa game in a couple of weeks time. Welcome to Leicester Fan TV. With special thanks to our pals at ADT Taxis, Feed Me, Piglet's Pantry, Tiger, Leicester Garage Conversions, Pink Vehicle Leasing, Hologram, The Fox's Arms, Moyer Waiting Interiors, and our chosen charity, Memphis UK. We bring you the fans' views on the match each week, and your views matter to us. Join the fans' debate each match with us. Follow us at Leicester Fan TV. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.